Well, uh, we're starting a new series this morning, uh, taking a look at the Holy Spirit. And while we try to make an intentional effort to really teach on the Holy Spirit here, to celebrate Pentecost uh, every year, and, and to talk about the power of prayer, the power that's available to us, I still think there's a sense in which it's a bit myster- mysterious, the Holy Spirit. Like we're good talking about God the Father, God the Creator, we pray to God the Father. We're, we're comfortable talking about Jesus the Son and his teachings and studying his parables and trying to follow his way of life. But what about the Holy Spirit? Not something we can immediately touch or see. It's a little more elusive. We find symbols within Scripture that can kind of help us understand maybe the workings of the Holy Spirit. Anything from a spirit hovering over the water at the moment of creation to tongues of fire wrapping around believers in that moment of Pentecost. Like a dove descending at Jesus' baptism. Do you remember that image or that moment? The voice of the Father saying, this is my son in whom I'm pleased. And in other places it's described as like a wind or breath, ruha kind of the breath of life being breathed into us. In John, it says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. There's this air of mystery to have an intentional play on words. The wind, this, this breath, we do not always know where it, come from, where it comes from or where it goes. Like wind, we cannot touch it or see it, but we can see the effects of it. We can feel the spirit around us, its presence moving. So I want us to take a look at this because I believe that when we talk about ways that we can experience God's love and power and presence today, 99% of the time, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we begin to identify this spirit then? That scripture says is always with us, even within us. This spirit at work within us to even will and to do good, Paul says. So how can we begin to identify this spirit? How do we discern when it's the spirit at work and speaking to us? And how can we know where it's leading so over the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at this and using, you know, while there's lots of those symbols or, or images that I kind of listed off that on Pentecost I like to touch on, right? Uh, the comforter or, or the fire or um, wind. I want to take a look at a sort of a different approach. In different places in Scripture, we see the Spirit described as a voice, an inner calling, an inner knowing almost, an inside voice. As a while back, my in-laws were visiting, uh, and I happened to be in my office doing something at the computer, at my desk, and I thought I was on the first floor by myself. And something happened. I've blocked it out now, but something happened where I got really frustrated, and so I kind of let out a a big groan. (laughs) Uh, And I heard my mother-in-law say to Matt, "Uh uh-oh, Mama groaned. <laughs> is she okay? <laughs> kind of like whispering to, to her breath to tell her son, go check on her. Mama just groaned. And that line makes me laugh now. Uh, Mama groaned. You need to go check on her. 
Because it was one of those, uh, one of those commentaries in my life where I, I didn't realize how often maybe I made this sound uh, until then. I don't know, anybody else, like when you're frustrated, when you're disappointed, when you're angry. Really, I didn't notice how often I made this noise until my five-year-old started making it back. Even this morning, you know, uh, and I thought, whoo, those kids, you know. They just have a way of being little mirrors, reflecting back all your worst and best qualities, amen? <laughs> it's like, ooh, this is a little sound commentary of my life now in my five-year-old. Maybe you're like me. And so this morning, I want you to take heart. I want you to take heart. Because of the voice of the Spirit we're going to look at this morning, the first voice is one that groans. The Spirit that groans with us. And so this is, comes from Romans chapter 18. I'm going to read this passage for us now. This is Paul to the church in Rome. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience." Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. Now, the letter to Rome here by Paul is known, is often referred to as his sort of like theological magnum opus. You know, it's, it's his systematic theology if he had one. It's his entirety of the explanation of the gospel, all of the letters that maybe he sends to other places. It's like a, a shortened, abbreviated version of the detail and depth in which he goes into Romans, into this letter to the church in Rome. And if you were to go back and read the entirety of Romans chapter 8, which I encourage you to do sometime this week, it's good stuff. If you were to go back and read the entirety of Romans chapter 8, you would see many more references to the work of the Spirit that Paul covers than what we just read in this passage. One scholar calls it the greatest chapter on the Spirit in the entire New Testament. Maybe we could have just camped out here for several weeks. The greatest chapter on the Holy Spirit in the entire New Testament. So some of the highlights of that Romans in the Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 4, he says, it's the law of the Spirit that has set you free in Christ. The law of the Spirit, the Spirit that set us free in Christ. He says it's only by walking in the Spirit that we can live a life that is pleasing to God. 
It's only by the power of the Spirit at work within us that we can even sort of walk this way and model our lives after Jesus Christ. He says, if Christ is in you, then the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you as well and gives life to your mortal bodies. I like quoting that one a lot. I kind of just, just do it kind of off the cuff, weave it. I might have even forgotten it was from Romans 8. <laughs> That's where it comes from. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Maybe another favorite that you might recognize For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. This is part of our identity as sons and daughters of God. And it's by the power of the Spirit that we receive the sense of adoption into the family of God, our new identity. So good stuff. That was Cliff Notes. But go back and read it and, and sit with it this week. The image I want to focus us on this morning, though, from our passage is that, that voice that intercedes with groans too deep for words. That was in verse 22. Oh, 26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us for groanings too deep, with groanings too deep for words. Now to really understand what Paul is describing here, I want us to take note of the three places we see this word or form of it in the Greek to groan pop up. If you were paying attention as I was reading, you notice this is actually the last place that Paul uses this word. It first pops up in verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Why? Why is the whole creation groaning together? Well, he says right before it, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. This is the hope that all of creation will be set free from its bondage to corruption and attain freedom obtain freedom. This idea that that all of creation is longing, eager longing, and and groaning, and and waiting to be set free from bondage. What kind of bondage are we talking about? Not willingly, but subjected to futility under corruption. I believe it's for the ways that those who had been entrusted to be good stewards of creation— have misused or abused creation. And now creation suffers. And creation is under bondage in that sense because of the sins of those who were meant to care for it, to be good stewards because of the sins of humanity, those who were trying to exploit it or have power over it or have all its riches for its own, the, the person's own benefit or good. For the ways that we have not cared for the earth well. And so the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. That groaning in the Greek, that experience of a common calamity to groan together. In verse 22, Paul compares it to the groans of a woman in labor. The pains 
of childbirth. One commentary I read uh, this week said this, painful cries from the depth of her being during that time between times, this is the the mother in labor, when she does not yet know whether the outcome will be life or death. Kind of the painful cries from within her depth, that in-between space when you don't know if this is going to work out for life or for death. The groaning of a mother in labor waiting to bring forth something new. That's like what we see in creation right now, longing to bring forth a new creation. All of creation groans. All of creation longs to be renewed. As Jesus has promised in his coming kingdom, a new heaven and a new earth. Renewal. I think we can see and hear the groanings of creation if we're to look, if we're to have eyes to see. Creation that's suffering, creation that's crying out because of those who've been subjected to to futility, as Paul says. Whether it's the impact of the devastation of war on our earth, whether it's the increased rate and intensity of natural disasters we're seeing, quite Obviously, to me, the earth kind of roaring, the earth crying out due to rising water levels or changing temperatures, this increased rate that we're seeing of these natural disasters. We can see it in the pollution that continues to be dumped into our waters and into our oceans and the impact that's having on the marine life. Creation is crying out, groaning, longing to bring forth something new. But then Paul continues. The second time this Greek word for groaning pops up is in verse 23. And not only creation, he says, not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, for the redemption of our bodies, as we long for Christ to return. We long for that coming kingdom. We long for our own bodily resurrection. We too groan inwardly. We too, like creation, suffer in ways, large and small, while we wait for the fulfillments of the promise of God. You're like, yeah, we talked about this, Rachel. We know this, whether it's psalms of lament or, or, or you know, lamenting different things that are going on in our world and in our personal lives and crying out to God, groaning through those sufferings that we experience. Frustrations and anger and disappointments. Through the broken relationships, groaning through illness and through new, a new diagnosis. Maybe it's in those moments where you just are groaning through the utter overwhelm of life that you're experiencing, sort of those crippling responsibilities. In some of the research that we've been doing as we've been sort of discerning next steps and and location and, and where God is calling us to be, I pulled up a resource from our annual conference that kind of allows you to do a, a demographic study of particular areas. And what I was looking for was just in general, like concerns that people have here within our own city. And so it's, it sounds kind of generic, but in kind of a, a demographic study, 
on this side of, you know, kind of where we are in this region. It was a big search area, but in this region, what are like the top life concerns as of 2023? And I was kind of fascinated by some of the results. Again, this is as of 2023. By far, the largest concern that people in our city are still facing are ongoing impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's a major life concern. The next one, the second one, was social and political tensions and discord among our society. Top life concerns for adults in our city, ongoing impacts of COVID-19, social and political tensions. The third highest one, racism and racial justice, a top concern in our city. Fear or, of the future or the unknown concern for adults in our city and the last one was just a health crisis or an illness I think this resonates with a lot of us but also sort of gives us a little pocket into these deepest longings these deepest concerns even maybe the deepest groanings longing for something to be different of our neighbors our neighbors here in the city of Louisville Maybe the most amazing thing of all in our passage this morning and why I chose this one is because of the third place that this word for groaning shows up. And the good news for us this morning is that as we suffer and groan, as we wait for and long for all of these things, for new creation, it's the spirit that groans with us. giving voice to our deepest longings. This shared groaning then is a a testimony that God is present in the midst of our greatest needs, even when we do not have the words to name it. When we do not know what to pray for as we ought in those moments of complete devastation and disappointment and suffering, We don't have to have the words to say. We can rest on the presence of the Spirit who is with us and interceding for us, praying for us with groans even too deep for words. Dr. Matt Skinner says this, the Spirit's job is co-suffering. What we understand of God to be doing on the cross is not just a power supply to make us happy or hopeful or, or give us victory over things, but it is the opening to which God still participates. I didn't copy and paste that really well. But what he's saying is this co-suffering nature of, of the Spirit is the same sort of suffering that we see God doing on our behalf on the cross. And this isn't just to have power and victory, which is also true. But it's this idea that we can be open to the ways in which that God is still participating in creation with us even now, suffering alongside us, in solidarity with us, groaning with us. And for me, this is not only comforting, but empowering. It's empowering. Because if I can think back and look back, I've experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in moments, for me, of deep groaning. I've experienced the power of the Spirit present with me in that sense of being in solidarity with, reminding me that I am not 
alone. If you were to ask my sweet husband uh, the day that we had Andrew and I arrived at the hospital really early, they showed me around the corner and down the hallway to this really big, beautiful corner room. And if you ask my sweet husband, he'll tell you, it's not because I'm special that I got that big room in the corner, you know, way down the hallway. It's because they wanted me as far away as possible of any of those other patients that day. And in those moments, in labor, in fear, in uncertainty, when I didn't know how this was going to play out, I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit that day. Even to the point of like an out-of-body experience, <laughs> where I sort of like rose above the room and thought, what is, what is happening? <laughs> what is going on? But it was the power of the Holy Spirit that showed up for me in the, in the text messages of friends that said, you got this, Mama. Or in the prayers of my family and small group who had already checked in that morning, I felt those prayers. Through the support of Matt next to me, quite literally breathing with me. And the care team around me who encouraged me and coached me through that moment. The Spirit with us, groaning, hoping, working with us. And I know for a fact some of you have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in that same way as well. One of you last week told me, I should be dead right now for all that I have faced, for all of the health issues that I have going on, but I have felt the prayers of this church and the Spirit covering me, lifting me in a way that doesn't make sense. The power and the comfort of knowing that we are not alone, that's the power of the Spirit with us in these moments of deep suffering, carrying us through, holding us through. I wonder for you, thinking back, if there's a moment that you can say, oh, I believe that was the power of the Holy Spirit with me in that moment of deep suffering, through the devastation of a moment that you faced, while you waited for an answer for something you were longing for. Maybe it was simply just groaning through a dark night of the soul. Paul says this is our hope. That even though this suffering reality is all around us, the creation groans and we groan inwardly and the spirit groans with us, that this is not the end of the story. And he says this is our hope. This is why we can endure because the spirit is with us and this is not the end. In verse 25 he says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We hope for and wait for that spirit that we cannot see, that we cannot touch but we can see the effects of it. We can feel its presence with us in these moments. God's still present, anticipating, longing, promising, and hoping. This is a final thing I'll, I'll leave you with. If the incarnation and cross of Christ shows us that God boldly enters into the brokenness of the world, the presence of the groaning spirit demonstrates that God stays with the broken world all the way through to the end. But the end, in fact, is the new beginning. This is our hope, friends, of what is to come. 
that the suffering will not last forever. That God is still present, working in creation, renewing and groaning and hoping. That's our hope this morning, my friends, that we are not alone. Thanks be to God. As you reflect, maybe, and read Romans 8 this week, and as you reflect, I would love to hear from you over the next few weeks, testimonies and stories of where you think that you might have experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because this is one of those things that seems so mysterious, and when we're trying to discern, what, it, what? what is this? I think it helps to hear testimony. I think it helps to be able to name some of the experiences that we as a community have had. Remembering this, that even in these moments when we don't know how to pray, when we can't even hope, when we can't even utter anything at all, we can lean on the church, we can lean on those praying with us, and we can know that the Spirit is interceding and praying for us as well. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for who you are and that you desire to be with us in such a way that you have given us your spirit. That even as we have said, yes, Jesus Christ is our Lord, as we confess that, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit that's poured out upon us, working within us, pouring out your grace upon us that we might become more like you. And so, God, we thank you for this gift that connects us to you, that intercedes for us, that keeps you close to us. God, the Holy Spirit that suffers with us, who's in solidarity with us. But God, thank you for this gift and help us to remember this week that whatever we face, that we are truly not alone. We thank you, Lord, and we pray, the, pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.